Hi, welcome to Nourish Noshes. This is Debbie. And this is Wendy. We're so happy that you're here listening today. We've got a very special guest, Ross McMaster, and she's on the other side of the earth. <laughs> we're actually on two different days as we're recording this. That's right. That's right. We love, we, we just love the Australian accent that you bring to the recording and everything. We love your spirit and we can't wait to dive in to listen to your story. Yes. And so, oh. go ahead. I, it, it's oh, I was going to say, yeah, I, it wasn't until you mentioned once before that you loved our Australian accent and I hadn't realized how strong mine was until you said that. And then I went <laughs> back and listened to all my podcasts and I went, oh my God, my Australian accent is so strong. It's really it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Very endearing. Yeah. So we, we first encountered you through your own podcast, which is called Ironing Out the Wrinkles. Um, that you partner with Kate Shaw, who we interviewed a couple weeks ago, and that podcast just came out last uh, two weeks ago. So we have that on our list. So go check that that out. Um, but now we're so happy to have you here, Roz. And let me introduce you and tell our audience a little bit about you, and then and then we're just going to have a fabulous conversation. <laughs> so. Rosmus McMaster, besides being a host of the Ironing Out Your Wrinkles podcast, is also a, also a counselor and an author and a spiritual healer. And she's had, which we're going to hear about, I'm sure, some life-changing events. Um, and she it gave her an opportunity to use her psychology degree that she had and her experience as a counselor to analyze her own life and to write a self-help memoir and also to help other people. Um, but she's been reinventing herself every day and she has shed fear and doubt and um, has this unshakable zest for life now. And we, we, which you'll, you'll just get from hearing her and watching her in the podcast as well. So we are so excited to have you here, Roz, and, and have a, a nice talk with you about all of your experiences and what you have to offer our audiences. Oh, thank you for having me. It's really exciting. I, I always love an opportunity to talk about myself. <laughs> of course, who doesn't? <laughs> I think I, I was saying to you before we hit the record button, I'm like someone who's um, discovered religion and now I want to preach it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you have a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of wisdom packed into the last 15 years for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the last... 35 years well your whole life is a journey to um sure. developing wisdom isn't it yeah if you look back at what you've learned from the moment you um were born <laughs> yes but we don't realize it i think until maybe the second half of our life where we start to realize wow i'm, I'm i picked up a lot of information here <laughs> yeah a real lot a real lot and i i, I think one of the advantages i have people, I used to think it was an insult when people would say, oh, you're really stoic, because I thought stoic just meant, oh, you don't show any emotion. But, you know, people who are stoic actually look at all the terrible things that happen in their lives and say, what can I learn about this? How can this make me grow as a person from what I learned from it? And it's not that stoics don't have emotion. It's just that we don't believe we should be ruled by our, our emotions. Have a cry. Something was very sad. Right now, get on with the learning. So, um, and and I think the fact that that comes innately to me has been what's held me strong through some of the challenges that I've faced. So people have to read books and learn how to be stoic. For me, it's innate. So that's just again another blessing. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'd love to hear sort of what puts you on this path of writing your memoir and and having this this feeling that you want to share with everyone your experiences and 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 the and the wisdom that you've accumulated so tell us tell us a little bit about that that journey uh i think the journey to wanting to well i'm a natural born teacher anyway and in my counseling practice i always had this need to walk the path. If I was going to tell other people what to do with their lives, I had to be walking that path myself. But at that stage, when I was a counsellor, I was still very much in denial about the complete dysfunction of my own marriage. So 
in my early 50s, my marriage came to an end after 30 years together. And it was quite traumatic, but the marriage itself was very traumatic. So it was really good that it ended. And I, I was so afraid to leave and to be on my own. There was, it, there's so many reasons why women stay in a, a toxic dysfunctional relationship. So I wasn't strong enough to make the decision. And I kept calling out to the universe, give me the strength, give me an answer, tell me what to do, help me. And that went on for probably a couple of months. And then eventually my husband and I were having a, well, I won't say an argument because his way of dealing with things was to completely shut down. So I said to him, what's going on? And he sent me a text message to say, I'm just not in love with you anymore, which was funny because I never thought he was in love with me anyway. It was just, he had so many addictions and it was quite awful. But that was the catalyst for me to say, okay, it's time to go. And, and like a light bulb, there was no more doubt. That was my sign from the universe. So I made the decision to leave and it was another six months before I moved out of the house, you know, because we, we had teenage children. We had a, a happy family life, despite all the dysfunction that was going on. Um, so I moved out. And after I moved out, I thought, okay, I can carry this pain into the next relationship or into the rest of my life, or I can do something about healing it now and really dissecting it and, and looking at what I did to create and collude in that um, dysfunction and the unhappiness. Because if I didn't take responsibility for my role that I played in it, then I was going to keep blaming men and life and, and ruining it for myself going forward. So, and, and again, that was the whole journey about, well, I want to teach other people what I've learned then. So I, I literally thought, okay, well, see, I, I've got a, a big thing about mirrors. So people are your mirrors. So whatever, he, he was um, making me feel abandoned and alone and unheard, like I didn't have a voice. But when I analysed it, I already had all those um, insecurities within me right from my childhood. And he literally just held the mirror up to those with his behaviour towards me mm. so it doesn't negate the fact that you know he was passive aggressive and and doing all these terrible things but i let it affect me and squash me down a lot further and disabled me and stopped me from being able to make choices that were more consistent with a person who loved themselves and felt good about themselves and were strong enough to make decisions that were better for themselves what? Because that is such a big realization, this whole idea of mirror and you stepping into responsibility, because I think so many of us hide behind excuses and self-doubt, and we've got these images in our head and, you know, society has put things on us and we've adopted things since childhood. How, what? I, I know it's more than one thing. Debbie and I always talk with clients about it. It's not one thing. It's multiple things. But can you give us a couple of uh, tidbits of what that looked like to unpack and to come to those conclusions for yourself? Oh, what did it look like? I mean, it, it can be hard to admit something about yourself, like you say. Like I, I was reading a book once. Um, I was reading a book about toxic people. And I was reading it because I wanted to confirm for myself that this friend of mine was actually really, really toxic person. And as I was reading it, I, I was just feeling really uncomfortable in my own body. You know, it's like squirming a little bit and, uh, and the book was affirming what I believed. And there was this voice in the back of my head saying, you know, you're reading about yourself here, that's, that's you. And so I ignored that, though, that, yes, all right, it's true, my friend is toxic, the book confirmed that for me, and I put the book away. And But there was a voice in the back of my head that, that just kept nagging at me about it. So 
And that's the thing where our bodies always tell us, our bodies always tell us, but we ignore that. And so you have to you have to learn, and so many of our guests have said this yourself and Terry Tucker and Dr. Anne, who spoke um, on the podcast this morning. You have to get into the practice of sitting still every day, mm. just for five minutes, then ten minutes, just sitting still, not even necessarily in a meditation, but just learning to sit still, and. This, this is why people find it hard to sit still and meditate because things start to come up and you start to feel physically uncomfortable in your body and you go, I don't like this feeling and you distract yourself from it. But your body is telling you there's something you need to take notice of. So so that's that's one of the ways. Just become aware and sit and say, hmm, what do I need to pay attention to here? But if it's an if it's something that's really not very nice about yourself, you know, we, we all want to project this image to the world that we're just totally amazing, but but we're not. We are all things. We are all things, and we do have ugly sides, all of us. Um, so as soon as we can accept that we're human and we're going to err sometimes and ruffle people's feathers sometimes will be in a, a much better position. Um, but the other thing too, like with mirrors, mirrors are a good way for you to um, see that part of yourself that you need to pay attention to. Uh, the minute you get really have an emotional reaction to something somebody is doing or saying, that's that's a cue for you to pay attention to. Like, what is it that they're showing me about me that I need to pay attention to? Because you're like, you you might say something, there'll be a, a group of us sitting together and you might say something and I'll be really upset about what you've said, but the person next to me will go, mm, meh, what's the big deal? So that's a sign. That's a sign. Are you responding or are you reacting? And if you're reacting, that's a sign that there's something you need to pay attention to. So, I mean, there's all sorts of tips, but you have to be willing. And, and that usually means if you're walking around unconsciously saying, why do people hate me? Why do men always do this? Why, you know, you're asking why, and you're unconsciously asking that why, and the universe is saying, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> they're putting things in your path to show you and to give you those answers so be careful about what you're asking because right. you, you'll get shown that's right that's exactly right you know there's you just said so much and so much of it resonates um and one of the things that i can want to comment on is be just being still is like you said is so difficult for so many people it's so difficult but it's in that stillness that you said that magic happens if you just let it happen and that brought to mind for me there's a program that i like to watch um that's called alone and um it's on it's on our in, in america it's on the history channel and it's it's about this group of people who sep get that dropped off in some really cold place separately and they have to survive for as long as they can survive and the thing that does them in it's not the cold it's not the starvation it's not whatever else happens to them physically it's them being alone with themselves and and all of the thoughts and their history and they can't help but think about it because their mind is not occupied with anything else they're not distracted by anything else because they're mostly sitting in their whatever they built by themselves and that's what usually makes them tap out because they can tap out and they'll get rescued and get taken away, which is so interesting to me because you think, wow, it's freezing cold there and they have to build their own shelter and they have to feed themselves, they have to hunt and fish and do stuff that we don't, we're not used to doing. You know, that would be so hard, but that's not the hardest thing. <laughs> the hardest thing is what's going on inside their own heads. Exactly. The things we tell ourselves and because whatever emotions that you have, there had to be a thought that preceded that. Oh, yeah. So it's thoughts that create the emotions. So you've got to be, start becoming aware what's going on in your head and, and challenge that. Well, why do I like why you guys love the why? 
Uh, And that's what I loved about your philosophy. I thought, yeah, why? You just keep asking, why why do I think that? Why do I feel that? And people say you don't need to go right back into your childhood. You know, what you've got is now. Let's just deal with the now. But I do like to understand where a thought originated. I can't, I know I can't do anything to change the past, but I like to know its origins because then you, then I think for me, it's easier to get over something or start resolving or healing something as an adult now when i go back and look at something that might have happened in my childhood i've got the wisdom to see that my parents were human and they made mistakes the same way i ended up making mistakes as a parent and so i can go you know what they actually didn't mean to cause me harm they they were just thoughtless and caught up in the stress of life and you know, so it's, I, that's, I think that's really healing sometimes to go back in, into the past. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. So you also not only were going through a divorce, but you also had, um, you had a, a huge cancer scare. You were in stage four colon cancer. And mm-hmm. this was death knocking at your door saying, I'm coming to get you. And this was very rattling. And you took additional steps to change your lifestyle, change your thought patterns. Let us know more about that, too, because you took several steps in that journey to do some self-healing. Yeah, it's, it's like you were saying, you can't separate aspects of your life you know they all kind of interweave in some way so it's like well where did that journey start you know the journey with the cancer didn't start at the diagnosis it started actually i think 10 12 years before that i went and did a buddhist course on death and dying because my father had just been diagnosed with prostate cancer and it was fairly aggressive and i thought how can i best serve him when his time comes So at this death and dying course, the facilitator said, at the time of your passing, it's really important to be at peace spiritually, emotionally, and physically. So physically, the doctors are taking care of you. Spiritually, it was really important, no matter what your belief is, that you believe it fully because that's going to give you a great deal of comfort at the time of your passing. So even though I was already following this spiritual path, that made me think, wow, but how much do I actually believe what I'm saying? You know, is this just a hobby for me or do I really believe in what I believe in as far as the afterlife and spirit and what have you? So that sent me on a journey to really looking at the the strength of my belief. And the big one was to be at peace emotionally. I thought, wow, if I was dying now, would I really be at peace emotionally? Because I was still in denial about that marriage that I had. So I went on a journey to start practicing daily gratitude. And that was huge. That was a huge shape shifter. And then it wasn't until my marriage ended And I started to, you know, really start healing everything that was going on in my marriage, healing myself, becoming more a friend to myself and loving myself more. And suddenly I was like on top of the world. It was like, I was so good. I just, I quit my job. I was working at a university at the time with my sister and I was ready to go traveling the world. And it was after I got back from a month in India that I was diagnosed with cancer. So when I was diagnosed, I was already at the stage where that practice of daily gratitude, my life felt so full. It was so abundant. If I was going to die at that point, It's like, okay, well, you know, my life is full. It's amazing, you know, and I felt like I'd done so much healing. But I also realized that, you know, I I always felt like I needed to be out there really teaching people and really making a difference in the world. But I'd always held back in some way, so afraid that um, what I had to say wasn't enough, that I wasn't enough, that I'd be judged, that I didn't really know as much as I, I thought I did because, you know, I was trying to learn everything from textbooks 
instead of coming from my heart. So when I got diagnosed, I thought, oh my God, how much of my life have I actually wasted on these silly insecurities? There, there is no wrong. If like, if I stuff up now and say, I'm an R a million times, no one's going to remember. They're going to remember the things they wanted to remember. No one's judging me. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about you as much as what you think they are. No one's thinking about you as much as what you think they are. So <laughs> yeah. So like in an instant, I went, what a waste of time. And I just made the decision to say yes to everything. Like I never would have done a podcast. I've been on the radio, I've written articles. I never would have done that before I had cancer. It was a life changer for me. And a lot of people say, but you know, how do you make that start? Like, I don't believe in myself. How do I make that start? There's no secret ingredient. You just have to do it. You just have to do it. And even, do you know Dan Millman who wrote Way of the Peaceful Warrior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that I think that was like back in the 70s, but yeah. he said that too. You know, he said with addictions, you know, people who join 12 step programs, and I mean, that's great for people supporting each other. He said, but at the end of the day, someone who has an addiction, the way they're going to stop is to just stop, right? That's right. it, that's it. So, start, just start, right? You know. Right. And that's what you're talking about right there is awareness. You know, that's the very first step is to have that awareness that there's something in me, something that I'm not happy with, that I don't, I don't like myself or I don't trust myself or I, I don't feel strong about things or whatever it is. It's that first step of awareness that you need to get in order to make the change. And that's, I think, the hardest part for some people because so pe people are not self-aware. People are really are not self-aware. Yeah. yeah. And and there's no, like, if you go to a counsellor and you have no self-awareness, I, I don't think there's a way that a counsellor can make you have that. It's, I mean, there's so much about people's lives that just has to come within and a, a readiness, a readiness, you know, and no one can make you ready. Right. Yeah, you just wake up and one morning and say, I'm so unhappy. Why am I so unhappy? And then being a willingness to stop blaming other people for why right. you're unhappy. What do I need to change about myself and my life now? How much am I, how much of your life are you um is, is controlled by what you think other people expect of you instead of just doing what's right for you, you know? Yeah. Oh, so much power in that shift that minds. It's such a mindset shift to recognize that we're even stuck in the first place and that we are responsible for unstucking ourselves. <laughs> Getting unstuck is it's all in here. It really is. And so, um, it's not just one thing it's many things of self-discovery and un, un is it like peeling and i mean is it like peeling off the layers yeah I agree with that idea so. that it's like peeling peeling the layers yeah it really is because you you might start the journey so you go oh okay i've had a realization so you start the journey you think right i'm on my way now you know that's it you know i spend a week doing some self-reflection <laughs> and I read a book uh, and then someone will come in your face and get you all upset and hot and bothered again. You go, ah, oh, I thought I was over that. I got it still going. So it's like, oh, what's the next little bit? What's the next little bit? And I think when people are on a, a healing journey in earnest, you've got to step back from it a little bit too at some point and you know go and have a spa and go and walk along the beach and go and take a holiday and go and laugh and have a coffee with friends like you know doing the work on yourself if you've got a lot of stuff to unpack it's exhausting it's exhausting and you've got to step away and pat yourself on the back for how far you've come and not be setting an expectation of trying to be perfect because that's that's very subjective isn't it well now it's like a new thing that you're trying to resolve. Why am I trying to be perfect? 
right? <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like, ah! yeah. where does this end? Where does well, this end? And and the thing is, there is no end. I mean, the end is death. We are we work and we discover, and it's a it's a process that continues and continues and continues. You know, there's not you're not you're Roz. You're not finished. You're not like okay, I'm all good now. Everything's fine now. You know, it's Nirvana. You know, I, and I would like to meet that person who who has that if that even exists. But the idea is that we. We work and we work and we work and we work. And it might feel really, really hard at first once you first say, okay, I need to work. That's hard. That's really hard. And the working doesn't feel as hard the longer you do it. It just becomes who you are. It just becomes, I am this person who is always trying to be better. We just want to always be a, a better self. And, and because we experience life, you know, there's, it's like, we, you can't just sh put a bubble around you. Okay. I'm fixed and put a bubble around yourself. <laughs> you have to live. And yeah, it's exactly. cool and other things. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and that was a good point you made. Like it, it is really hard when you first start the journey because you're trying to become conscious of everything you know, and, and become aware of everything. And, but yeah, it does get easier. And then, then it's automatic. Like the minute you're having an interaction with someone, you go, Oh, my, you know, I had a little thing in my gut then. What's going on there? But you, you're just doing it automatically and unconsciously and really quickly. So, but, you know, it's like any habit, you've got to start doing it for it to just become a part of your life, you know, and then you're not judging yourself. You're just going, oh, okay, you know. And it, it's okay to be angry sometimes and sad sometimes and to, well, I don't want to deal with that now. I just want to be sad or angry. <laughs> You know, just to go back to the gratitude, because it is a popular mantra, right, to to um, have people step into gratitude. But it's really interesting when you ask someone out of the blue or even in a routine situation where you ask them, what are you grateful for today? Some people are struggling to find that gratitude. And so the idea of practicing it on a daily basis gets us in that vibe. It gets us in the energy of noticing more about what is going well rather than not going well. Because our, our, our human tendency and perhaps conditioning is to focus on the not so good, right? So the, the gratitude, the practice of it really can help shift shift the energy for our lives. So did you personally do it by writing it down? Did you have, um, did you do it daily? Just what was your personal practice? Because everyone has their own personal practice or what might work for them. But the science is unequivocal that naming gratitude and why we're gratitude shifts us. Oh, absolutely. And I just love this subject. I, I did write a blog on it for anyone who wants to go and have a look at my blogs because I, I give all sorts of tips for starting that journey to gratitude. But when I first did it, uh, I actually wrote 20 handwritten fool's cap letters to family, to friends, to colleagues saying, you know, the, what's, what's the four things? Um, thank you. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Um, and I love, I love yeah, and I love you. So I wrote those letters. So to colleagues, I said things like, you know, thanks for referring clients to me and supporting me and believing in me when I didn't necessarily believe in what I was doing. It gave me the strength to keep going with my work. So, uh, and then to family, like I'd, I'd been pretty much estranged from my mother for many years and we'd rekindled. So I wrote her a letter and said, you know, even though I was still thinking, well, you know, at that point I was still thinking she should say sorry to me, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I abandoned that. And it was a really hard letter to write because my ego was still like, mm, but she should say sorry to me. Um, but I wrote the letter and I said, you know, thank you for loving me unconditionally and for leaving the door open for me to find my way back again when the time was right. So yeah, it was just, and it was funny. I, 
posted them. And after I wrote them all, I went to the post box to put them in the post box. And I was on a high, I was floating on a cloud, you know, that just that expression of thank you and gratitude and, and forgiveness. it felt so good. It just felt so good. So I put them in the mailbox and I didn't think anything of it or expect anything in return, but people were, you know, contacting me and, you know, my mother cried and said, oh, you don't know how much a mother longs to hear those words. And uh, friends said, you know, I I was feeling really down about, you know, the contribution I was making in my own life. And you just made me feel like I was making a difference and it made me feel better. And people still kept their letters. There's something about a handwritten letter. Yeah, definitely. It it just has so much more emotion attached to it. So, um, and that really started me on my journey. I thought, wow, you know, this expression of gratitude changes people's lives, not just my own. So then I put a, sign, a notice on Facebook that I was going to start a gratitude jar. And my daughter called me. She said, Mom, I'm so excited. I've got a gift for you. Are you going to be home? So she came over and she said, I read your Facebook post and I bought you a jar to start your gratitude jar. So it was a jar with this beautiful um, coloured um, purple lid on it, but it was about this big, really, <laughs> really tiny. And I said, oh, darling, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much. And I've got a gift for you. I bought you a gratitude jar as well. And mine was absolutely <laughs> enormous. And she cried. She said, Mum, I couldn't fill the little one. How am I going to fill the big one? Oh. And that just really saddened me. So anyway, I had um, my little jar. Uh, that reminded me of how grateful I was that my daughter was such a thoughtful human being. And then my jar, how I feel that was. And the thing is, you when you start the practice of daily gratitude, it's like anything, you have to, it's quite hard at first, you have to start making it a habit. But gratitude isn't something, you don't need to just be grateful for the things that you're getting, right. or the things that are happening to you. When I went walking for my daily walk, suddenly I started noticing the flowers on the trees. And I was like, I'm so grateful to the universe for this canvas that they painted with all this color for me to enjoy my walk. You know, I would go out, I would hear children laughing on the waterfront. I live near the waterfront. I'd be so grateful. I'd think, God, these are our future generations. I want them to be happy now. And I'm so grateful that they're happy now. Mm. You know, so it's not just something that I'm grateful for. Why am I grateful for it? That just adds a whole other layer of depth to it. And I, I noticed too, when I would say to someone, I went to a retreat once and, you know, everybody was walking around the retreat and I'd say, oh, my God, did you see the colour of that rose in the garden? Everyone said, no, what rose, what rose? When you start practising gratitude, you start becoming so acutely aware of everything in your environment. You start to be fine-tuned to everything and that's what creates this uh, some of this abundance because suddenly you see all the beauty that's around you. And it's just amazing, you know? It is amazing. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. We agree. We so Yeah. So following, um, filling up this gratitude jar, it didn't take long because I would also have fun with it. So I would write the things down that I was grateful for and I would tear off strips of paper and I would draw pictures on the bit of paper. So I was adding that level of creativity to Mm -hmm. it. Um, So, yeah, I was just finding any way that I could to write down my gratitude. So creativity adds healing, creativity adds fun. It's just all so good for the the soul and the mind. And I noticed too, when someone gave me a compliment, you know, very often when someone gives you a compliment, you quickly brush it aside. You go, oh yeah, yeah, whatever, or you'll, um, you know, self, what do you call it? Self depreciate yourself. 
yeah so i started thinking okay i'm not going to brush that aside i'm going to really absorb that compliment into my being and then i was so grateful someone noticed something i did something was somebody was appreciated appreciated something I did. And then I would put that on my piece of paper and into my gratitude jar. There, there is, you know, you just start to notice everything. And that's why when I ended up being diagnosed, my life was so full. I, it was just so happy. And I thought, if I die today, finally now, I, I'm okay. But of course, I, I didn't die. <laughs> I've well outlived my prognosis. Yeah, the doctors are shrugging their shoulders going, well, we don't get it. You're not supposed to be here. But I thought, it's not my time. Some things you have control over and some things you don't. I don't know why I'm still here. So I'm not going to profess that I have the secret because that would be an insult to people who, um, who don't have the same journey through their cancer. Um, a year after I was diagnosed, my husband we were still only separated but um he was diagnosed with cancer and he passed away five weeks later so his journey was very different to mine very different and and that just goes back to to being at peace emotionally he had so much unrest because you know i i think i'm just guessing because of the guilt he experienced from what he'd put me through in our marriage um, but he had a, a terrible childhood as well and had never resolved any of the pain from his childhood. So at the time of his passing, and he didn't believe in God because of his childhood, he'd sort of turned his back on God, as many people do uh, when they have traumatic childhood. So it was very, he, he just had a terrible death. He was just so anxious and it was just awful to see. Mm. So... I think I said to you earlier in the piece before we hit record that I didn't really start living until I thought I was dying. And so that going back to that Buddhist course I did where they said, be at peace emotionally, spiritually, physically, life-changing. Don't wait until you're dying, start now because we're all going to die. It's inevitable. Right. Be ready, right. be ready. <laughs> well, we, we all are dying right now. We're all dying. <laughs> little by little we're dying well, well the buddhists buddhist say you start dying the minute you're born exactly <laughs> right. exactly well, and I, what's so beautiful about what how you're sharing and unpacking this journey is that um not only are you practicing and discovering and learning but I mean, it's your choice. You've chosen to unpack things. You've chosen to say it the way it is and look at the tough stuff and get uncomfortable so that you can move through all that gunk kind of to the other side. And finally, what I hear from you too is you're being of such wonderful service to so many people so you're creating a ripple effect of you know you you are an example and a story for other people to witness and kind of catch some of the energy that you're you know showering the world with so that's a really beautiful thing oh thank you thank you very much do you know i years and years ago I put out to spirit my intention. Like I always, every year, New Year's resolutions, I would sit down and set my intention. So I set this intention, you know, dear spirit, I want to be of service. I want to teach by example, let my life be a lesson to others. Now, when I set that intention, I was still in denial about my marriage and still, you know, preaching to the world about, I had the secret to a happy marriage. You know, look at me, <laughs> all those masks I was putting out to the world about this wonderful union I had with my husband. So when I put out the intention that I wanted my life to be as an, an example, I meant an example of a happy marriage. So years later when I got the cancer and it turns out my journey has been an example to others, 
Um, I've sort of led the way to sort of help others healing. But when I first got diagnosed, I remember lying in the hospital bed and putting out the spirit like, hey, guys, you know, I said I wanted to be an example, but this is going too far. Like, you know, put that. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, but at the same time, the cancer was necessary for you to get to where you are now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's horrible to think that you must be ill and suffer and so forth. But but this is these, the, this part, it's life, you know, and who knows what we have ahead of us. But it's all a part of life. And it's all a part of who we are and who we will become. And it's mm-hmm. necessary to, to go through it. You know, it's it, it, like the, the funny thing is to me, I used to always be confused by the, the Buddhist um, mantra, I guess it was that all life is suffering. I never understood that. It, it didn't make sense to me because thankfully I've had a blessed life. I, ha- I haven't had a lot of hard things in my life. At the same time, it's, it's my perspective about things. It's my mindset about things. I could, I could have easily had the same life that I had and seen all of the terrible things. But for some reason, I was given this brain that didn't really concentrate on those terrible things and only looked at mostly all the, the positive things. But it still seemed to me, but why is life suffering? And it wasn't until I became a coach and started coaching others who didn't have the mindset that I had of, of, and I'm not perfect by any means, but I do believe I have a growth mindset. And it's not until I've noticed people who are in pain and people who don't have a growth mindset and people who really are suffering, they really are suffering. And it made sense to me finally, oh, that's what the Buddha was talking about. You know, life is suffering for so many, If, but if you choose to look at it that way, in a yes. Sense. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, you you lucky to have that growth mindset just quite naturally. And I always I'm so grateful that I'm uh innately stoic and resilient. I don't have to try and learn that. Like right. uh, yeah, because it's when you look at people suffering and they don't have that mindset, it's like, oh, you know, I I would not like to be there. You know? So yeah. But that said that doesn't mean that they can't find peace. It's just that they have to work a little bit harder, you know, and it's, and find the right people, you know, like you, they have to find people like you and people like us to help them. And um, that's really what it's about. But I want, I, I want to say anybody who's listening, it feels like that's who you are, that you may not have been born with it. We're people are here to help. We want to help, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're a community. We are we are here to help all people because it's really our goal for people to feel at peace. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that is our goal. And it's it's funny, you know, when you're faced with dying, suddenly you look back and you think, Oh, what was the point of all this? You know, like the, the trivialities that we concern ourselves yeah. with. That, yeah. It all seems so pointless almost, but, you know, life takes on for a little while when you're first diagnosed, it becomes very surreal. But but that is the point of just just being, just yeah. being and, you know, just loving yourself and loving others and, you know, spreading kindness and compassion. And it says me, I'm like, I'm, I'm really hard on people, actually. You know, I call people out and if they're sort of too slow to move, I say, you know, come on, you know, you don't need to have all these insecurities and let's let's go. And if they're making excuses and blaming other people and being the victims, I always call them out on that. So I'm, I'm probably, if someone's in the beginning stages of being quite fragile in their journey to healing, I'm probably not the first point of call by choice. <laughs> <laughs> They're not quite ready for me yet. See, that's know thyself. That's self knowledge right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, and I think the whole theme is just being willing to be uncomfortable. 
and you know that's very much a part of your guys process you know in the any of those stages diet movement connection you've got to get out of your comfort zone or nothing is going to change that's right that's right and we do often say that you know staying where we are we think it's comfort but it's really not and that is that is when the aha really comes to comes to fruition for people when they realize that they stay doing what they're doing it's not really comfortable being uncomfortable moving or or, or self-discovery or looking at lo looking at things differently and changing habits it that's the easy stuff <laughs> you know yeah. ultimately and, and when I say easy, I mean, if we if we want to grow and flourish, then those things become our practice, and then it becomes easy. Like that, it it then becomes our rituals and our habits, and they just like this whole gratitude. I can't wait to write down twenty people that I want to send a letter to. Like <laughs> Roz, I've heard that idea of writing the letters so many times and i have to give a shout out to my husband because he wrote his dad that letter before his dad really his his dad's dementia really hit in so he was able to read that letter to his father oh it was so beautiful and it that's that's rich gift you know to be able to give someone that so yeah it's on yeah. my list <laughs> life-changing you know it's, it's like journal writing you know it's you get it out of your head you put it on the paper and then the next step is get, get it off the paper and say the words so writing this letter of gratitude that that's a wonderful way to start your journey and it really the feeling you get inside and then having no expectation of hearing anything back you don't need to know it's just a gift that you've given and it feels so good you know everyone likes giving gifts and that's what, you know, when you write these letters, they're a gift that you're giving. But yeah, they, they change other people's lives as well. You don't know who's getting it at just the time they need. Right. You know, that's yeah. Right. So get yourself a job. That's the next step. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your book. Tell our listeners a little bit about the book, where they can find it, and uh, a couple of nuggets there to tease them to, to go get your book and to listen to your podcast and connect with you. Uh, well, you can, it, the book is online, any of the big stores like um, Apple Bookstores, Apple Books, Amazon, any of them, it's in, you can get it in hard copy and in ebook. There is a self-help section at the back of it, just some of the tools that I was using. So, and that's usually why a hard copy of the book is kind of better for the self-help section, but doable with an ebook. Um, so it was really my journey after my marriage breakdown and the cancer journey through the cancer and the journey through my husband's cancer because forgiveness was still a big issue for me so i still had a lot of forgiving to do and after he died of course that that was kind of impossible but the funny oh, we've got another topic to talk about um the funny thing about forgiveness is that even if someone who I feel has hurt me says, I'm sorry, I still have to do healing around whatever happened to cause me pain. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness only, forgiveness validates the experience that you had. It says, I didn't imagine that you did something to me. Right. It just validates it, but the healing still needs to be done. So uh, I really talk about people really struggle with forgiveness. So I talk about my journey to forgiveness after he passed and what it was like hanging on to that anger and non-forgiveness while he was still around. I nursed him while he was um, that five weeks that he was dying. Um, um, I talk about my children all wrote their journey through the grief when he was dying, uh, which is really helpful to any young people who are experiencing grief at the loss of a parent. So it was talking about my marriage, what led me to that place, 
how I went back into my childhood to look at where I was coming from, looked at his childhood and what was driving his addictions. He had a sex addiction. Um, so, uh, and then my journey through the cancer and what that was like. So yeah, it's, um, and what led up to my practice of gratitude and the Buddhist course that I'd done. And it, yeah, like you say, it, it was really hard writing the book because every part of that journey, it was all interconnected. So I thought, well, where do I start? Where do I start? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Even uh, during my, after my chemo, I spent a month in India at a Ayurvedic detox clinic. So I wrote all about that experience and yeah, so it was, uh, it's, it's only a small book. I think there's like 200 pages, but it's cram packed. So, uh, yeah. So if, if you have a link to my website, they can find the book there and there's links there for where they can go and, um, order the book. Uh, there's links to my blogs. Um, yeah, links to the podcast, which is really uh, terrific. So the podcast, we only just started this year and it's up and running. And it's even though it targets, it's called Ironing Out the Wrinkles. And even though it targets people 50 to 100, a lot of the topics are suitable no matter what age people are. Because it's, people. Yeah, <laughs> it's all part of the journey. You know, we, we've got a Buddhist um monk coming to talk about death and dying oh neat the, the link between meditation and death and dying and oh, yeah so interesting yeah and you guys you guys sharing your wisdom so yeah yeah it's exciting you you'll be um up oh, next week actually okay excellent next week Yes, yeah, so we'll have all of the links in the story on the YouTube and in our blog where their podcast comes out. So make sure that you pay attention to the notes to get all this juicy information about Roz and her life and everything. So it has been more than a pleasure to have you here. It's your 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 energy and your light comes across the ocean and across everything. I mean, oh, thank you. It's been wonderful. It's thank really you. thank you for having me. It's been fabulous. Yeah, it's been fabulous. And we're going to have to just hop over to each other's countries and visit because we we need to have a cup of tea or coffee <laughs> oh, and, definitely. and just, yeah, bask in that. Yeah. You'll love it here. It's the land of milk and honey, Australia. So <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely oh. taking you up on that because that's on my bucket list to get yes. over. Yes, <laughs> yeah, please. I've got spare rooms. Okay. <laughs> that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. It was just such a, a pleasure to be able to share. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going at nourishcoaches.com. And stay tuned for more Nourish Noshes as we continue our quest to make the world a healthier place.